Hey, everybody. Welcome back to A Higher Future. This is UB Signetti from Interview IA. And uh, today we're continuing these, these conversations about you know, the, this opportunity that organizations have, but more importantly, that we as individuals have to, to change, right, for the better <laughs> uh, in, in connecting with each other and developing relationships with each other you know, on, on this side of, of COVID and in the midst of these continuing conversations around systemic inequalities. So first of all, I want to welcome Lorraine Heber-Browse from NS1 to the show. How are you? I am well, and it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so how do you usually um, introduce yourself to people? Yeah, let me give you a, a little bit of an overview of my background and what brings me here today. Um, so I am a career HR professional. I started out in financial services working for Fortune 500 companies about eight years ago. I made the pivot um, to the tech industry and really kind of forged forward from there um, because it was really a way to solve very, very hard problems in a much more intimate um, kind of way and approach, and one that really resonates with who I am as a person, as well as the people within the companies I support. I love that. And so speaking of technology, I, I'm, you know, be, because of COVID, really, you know, there, there was this opportunity for technology to kind of adapt and take this big jump forward to help organizations, um, particularly in how we communicate with each other. But tell me a little bit about NS1. Like what, what changes did you all see post-COVID in the work that you're doing? Um, and we'll start there and then we'll get into the communication piece later. And then what's on the horizon for NS1? Absolutely. So the way to think about NS1 is that the company really connects the world's applications. So it any moment of every part of the day, whether you're on video or on email or pulling up a website, um, you are connecting through the internet. And then this one makes that connectivity possible. And so you may not look at the work as the sexy part of the internet, but it's a, it's a vital part of the internet. If the internet goes down in this COVID era, era we're all at a loss, right? We can't do our work, we can't be educated, we can't access information. And so this is a company that has a very vital role right now in when you are solely dependent on working through your computer and working through laptops and, and cell phones. NS1 kind of has a great, great niche and a great, great need right now uh, in the circumstances we're, we're all living in. It's beyond work at this point. Right. Well, and I think, you know, it's, you know, you look at technologies like Zoom as well, right? For example, that, that I mean, none of this would have been possible without technology like that. But to your point, there's that layer beneath that keeps it all going. And that's where, uh, that's what I think is just fascinating to, to see the adaptation and the rise in importance of certain companies and certain technologies. Do you think NS1 was prepared for that from a, from a people perspective? It's a great question. And very interestingly, I joined NS1 in the midst of COVID. Okay. And so 
I interviewed and onboarded and ran my role for the first nine months of the with the company without meeting a single person face to face. Sort of crazy if you think about that. That's something sure. that no one ever done before. And it was surprisingly seamless. Um, and that is because the technology was where it was at, but also as a company, um, NS1 was distributed and agile enough that they were able to kind of snap into the Zoom world very, very effectively. And so, you know, not only for myself and my own experience, but for our employees who, you know, one day found themselves completely virtual, um, it, it was tough for them in losing the connectivity of day-to-day -day interaction, but they also found ways to kind of offset that and, and really be able to adapt, which I think is really a testament to the company. Well, and so it's a part of that adaptation that, that you focus on and talk a lot about is related to how we communicate with each other. So, then, so in this virtual world, right? Like what, what's, what, what's, how do we move forward? How do we continue to create relationships? How do you, as someone who didn't get to meet anybody else for a long time uh, coming into it, like, how do you do that? How do you create a dialogue? And, you know, dialogue is the exact word I would use. What we're finding is when you are connecting in such an intense way, you've got two big heads on the screen and that's your mode of communication for one-on-one -on -one meetings and interviews, um, smaller um, heads on the screen for team meetings, you're, you're limited in your mode of communication, right? Um, visually, um, your line of sight is shrinking. And the skill that we've been building, and I encourage people to build, whether it's problem solving meetings or interviews, is how do you create more open dialogue? What is the skill you have to build to open up lines of communications with intent, right? Because we can all say, yeah, yeah. we're going to speak more openly, but we don't always know what that looks like or what the skill is involved. Well, and I think there's an awareness piece that you have to have first, right? Because, so we talk a lot about being aware of our own biases before we can start to do the work of creating better relationships or getting to know other people who, you know, don't look like us or we've never met before, that there has to be awareness of what's stopping you from being able to have an intentional open dialogue with somebody. Um, and so how, what's, what's, what's some of the work that you've all have done to, to, to kind of, you know, open those lines of communication or help people build these skills? Yeah, there's a couple of things that we've been doing and certainly working and training our leaders to understand their unconscious biases and what uh, assumptions that and how to address assumptions beforehand that they bring to the table during meetings during interviews is one aspect of it um, the the second aspect of it is what i like to call curious conversations mm. how do you with intent have meaningful conversations that digs past the surface to really understand not only what is being asked not only what is being presented but what are the associated values and beliefs that are driving the conversation? 
And those are beliefs not only that you possess, but the person that you're interacting with. Mm -hmm. And if you begin to have dialogue that takes you that one step down, then you begin to understand things. And then we can begin to intentionally shape culture, shape training, assess talent in ways that is a lot more meaningful and a lot more based in understanding positioning and how that positioning can be used to drive success. Yeah, I, it's it's so cool how you talk about it because, uh, you know, and I think you mentioned this before we hit record, but we, we sort of fell into this accidentally. But but it, it, I think it's put us on a path to to really improve and, and to your point, go a level deeper as as people with each other, because what we've what's been removed from the equation when you talk about interviewing, as you mentioned, is this really this ability to evaluate somebody based on their physical presence, you know, their, their, the way they communicate non-verbally. To your point, it's just two heads on a screen now when we're trying to get to know if a candidate's gonna be the right person for this open role that we're hiring for or not. And so, so the, it's a new skill, it, to your point. I, I think it's a fascinating, opportunity that we have and, and I love curious conversations because you have to be curious we talk about that you know the, the code of curiosity you have to be but it is a way to it, it's a way to like I don't know I, I mean I could talk about this all day this is so cool yeah it's a it's a way to really create a deeper level of understanding and yeah. you know the example that you and I kind of talked about as we were preparing for this discussion is really understanding what drives a person. So it's not only the work they do when you're assessing somebody um, in an interview setting, but what drives and motivates them. And will that drive and motivation lead to success? Because it's not about getting a job, it's about getting the right job where you can thrive and grow. Right. One example, you know, you awful, often hear in interviews is, when you ask an applicant why they're thinking about leaving. And one of the more common responses is, you know, I, I don't feel I can be successful or it wasn't a culture fit. And we talk a little bit about, you know, okay, you know, let's talk about our culture then. But I want people to pause and really ask the deeper question what was it about the culture that didn't work for you and how did that culture create a barrier to ensuring your success and so if you dig that level deeper you can begin to understand what's important to the candidate if a candidate loves to be collaborative and they are saying well it wasn't a culture fit because i was really doing work alone there was very little collaboration then I, as a hiring leader, can assess whether or not the role I have open is going to be a, a better path for them. Mm -hmm. And so diving into that, diving into even past, you know, collaboration, what type of collaboration is important to you? You know, what are the types of collaboration that lead to your success? Where have you collaborated in the past where you have found you can have the most impact? And suddenly you're having a really, really meaningful conversation 
And it's one that we tend to skip over. Yeah, I, I one you know, another way that we like to, to get at that same information is, you know, what is it that you need to be successful here? And, I, and to your point, it's so much more important now because we're all, everything changed for us, right? And so we're isolated. We're in these little windows here by ourselves most of the time. And if we don't consider what it takes for each individual person to thrive in this new environment, then you're right, we're doing ourselves a disservice as an organization. And we're then often, again, hiring the wrong people without thinking about all of the things that, that relate to their success in a role. And we miss out on that. Right. And, you know, there's always the, the multiple aspects of assessment, right? There's three main things for assessing. One is, what is the diversity that this candidate brings to the table? Because I truly believe everyone offers some level of diversity. The second is the skill set, right? What is their knowledge, the tools that they bring? And then what are the traits and their needs and the beliefs that are going to drive success? And in this day and age, we really have to spend the time to assess all three of those data points in order to make the right hire. I couldn't agree more. I think those three pieces align really well with how we think about it in our methodology and how we arrange our questions to, to get at all the data. Because you can't, you can't just hire somebody for, for the ability to do the job if you don't understand their alignment to our company even the, the alignment to their team and their manager, right? I mean, that, what do they always say? People leave because of their manager. And then understanding where is this person going? What is their potential with us? Where do they want? Do they want to grow as we grow? You, you have to have all three. And if you don't, you, you know, then you're, you're risking it. You're risking this person leaving you in three, six, nine months. Right. And, and again, we're in an environment now, I saw them in news today, they're calling it the great resignation yeah, that 40% right. of the workforce is in play right now. Yep. And what you don't wanna do is find yourself in play again in the next 24 months because you just made a change for the sake of making a change. Exactly, you know? exactly companies really want to be thoughtful on the talent they're bringing on. And people yeah. do want to have the stability in their career that they can be in the company that's going to invest in them and support their growth. And so we've got to make efforts. So when you're talking about like, you know, where is NS1 going as a company in terms of, you know, how we look at our talent, we're very much a company that wants to attract talent and wants to assess talent in a way that's really going to not only meet the needs of what the company is striving for right now, but where we're heading, right? It, yeah. Is that talent going to be relevant two years from now? And if not, are we growing it in the right ways? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I love this. I think that's a great way to end it because it, it, it is, that's what companies, they need to thread that throughout their strategic priorities right now and look at it in that way. Because I, and I think you said it perfectly, like candidates are looking for stability right now. I mean, we've been unstable for 18 months and it's, it's crazy because we don't know where it's going still. 
And so how can we bring people stability in an unstable time? So um, gosh, Lorraine, thank you. This was such a great conversation. I really appreciate it. And thank you for, for having me. It's wonderful to talk a little bit about some of the things that we're, we're doing and yeah. you know, really having the prospect of this being of benefit to other listeners. Absolutely. No, they will benefit tremendously. So thank you again. Thank you to our listeners. Um, keep checking us out. You can find the podcast on our website at interviewia.com. And we'll check you later. Thank you.